welcome to this next episode of our Cumbria Events Eventing Talks podcast. My name's Kaz Mosley from Orange Fox Eventing and I'm very excited to introduce my next guest. Robin Gray is a local event rider who has been working in the area for the last few years, has started out in the racing industry and has moved to eventing and has a few horses to ride and an exciting season to talk about for this year. So welcome to the show, Robin. Hello. Um, first of all, just to get started with our listeners, tell us a little bit about what you do day to day. Give us a bit of an idea of what your typical week is like at the moment. So it's sort of the start of the season. So we've been gearing up and depending on what horses are having at the moment. So I've just got a couple of young ones and my advanced horse. So sort of we've planned a little bit of sort of where we're going to head first. I know quite a lot of people have been out already. I haven't even started yet, but actually looking at the weather, I'm quite pleased. And um, so just sort of making sure I've ticked all the boxes and the horses are fit, happy, and they're on the right track to when I get to the event, it shouldn't be such a big shock to either them or me really. So I like to try and, um, you know, go to a dressage competition, go to a show jumping competition, do some cross country schooling. So um, week by week, I plan it out. Um, I'm not, I don't plan it in really advanced as in like four or five weeks. It's just more, right, I need to fit a cross country schooling. Say next week, is it going to be at the start of the week or the end of the week? So each week differs quite a lot, um, but try to fit everything in, um, but also not rush it. I think horses, if you try and rush, rush things to do and it, that's when things go wrong. So I always try and spread out the time and make sure I give each horse what they need during the week. But usually I, I tend to work most days. Um, when the horses have a day off, that's when I try and have a day off. So I try and match that around to having a day off like everybody else. <laughs> it's, not, it's not very often. And yeah, I just try and make sure I've got a, at least a week planned for the week before sort of thing. So I know what I'm doing and can hopefully it can go to plan. For me, I look ahead and like look at the first event of the season and then I count back to the weeks I yeah. have ahead coming up. Um, I don't necessarily um, go, well, I'm going to definitely go show jumping on this week and I'm going to go cross country on this week and I'm going to go on that. But I, I certainly, and I'm sure you do as well, start the walk, work and all of that, like po like getting back into fitness stuff. But everything that you do in the week is dictated around the horse and what it needs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so like, say I wanted to go show jumping on the Thursday, I would make sure it had like a hack on the Monday, Tuesday, I had a little jump, Wednesday, I, but again, it's all horse related, but then the Thursday it would jump and the Friday it would day off. So then I'd have to plan when it would then need a canter. So yeah, just specifically to the horse, it you just match up your week with, yeah, and fit it in in the days really. And I was looking at your B um, record with the what your plan for the season ahead is, because I just looked to see that you actually are entered for Kelsol Hill coming up. Yes, that's going to be my first one. Yeah, so taking the advanced horse down there for her first run, just in the OI. I, I was based near Kelsol Hill, so it's it was sort of a local for me at one point. So I really enjoy Kelsol Hill. So I know it's a bit of a drive from now. So I'm back in Cumbria. So it's about two, a good two and a half hour drive, but it'll be worth it. And so, yeah, I just kind of, I quite, I quite like, you get used to some tracks, don't you, where you're quite familiar with them. So, um, and when you've had a good few runs around them, you sort of, you're quite keen to go back to the same one. So 
Yeah, back down to Cheshire for my uh, first event. That's cool. I've never been to Kelsall Hill, but I've always heard lots of really good positive feedback about it. And you sound like you're a little bit like me because you're based not that far from Warwick Hall. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you're a couple of hours down to Kelsall Hill and I'm, I'm at the Scottish borders. So for me, a couple of hours south is, you know, I'm getting to like Annick Ford, you know, direction or oh, gosh, yeah. and a little bit further south than that. But um, do you have like a distance where you would stay overnight and that's as far as you would travel? Or do you tend, I mean, you'll do Kelsall Hill in a day, won't you? Right, yeah, I'll, I'll do that in a day. I, I, I always find if it's over three hours traveling in a day, I would go down the night before. But yeah, if it's if it's three hours or on the border of three hours, then I would do it in the day. And I actually would, if I had a nine o'clock dressage, I would just get up at two in the morning. I'd try and have the horse in its stable the same, you know, try and keep it all the same. I think sometimes it's actually more hassle and more stressful for the horse to then stay over the night before, just for us to get a little bit more sleep or something like that. So I, I tend to just don't mind getting up early and setting off yeah as long as as yeah I kind, I kind of think three hours is the max for me too but then I I kind of do shows that are if the, or more than three hours away it's usually an international anyways yeah, so, you'd be staying so yeah so you would sort of be staying over anyways to so yeah I kind of do the free the three hour mark really yeah I think that's a really good rule of thumb isn't it for anyone listening who is traveling and is never really sure how far to travel their horse I think that that's the same, same for me is actually about three hours is when I would start thinking about staying overnight. Although I really hate getting up at two in the morning. So for me, um, if I had a nine o'clock dressage and then it was like swiftly following on and the three sections were really close, I'd probably like be like, oh, I'm just going to get in the stable. Um, yeah. Just because I'm, like, my horse travels really well and he stables overnight really well. So. Um, so tell me a little bit about your advanced horse, um, a little bit about how long you've been together. Um, you've done four star, so I'm definitely keen to know all about that and all about the journey that you've had. And then um, we'll probably talk about your other horses in a minute, but tell us about your fantastic advanced horse. Oh, well, she she came to me as a four-year-old to be broken in um, and the owner, the, the lovely lady, Jan Ball, who owns her still um, bought her for a granddaughter um, and they bought her as an unbroken sort of three-year-old and when she arrived she was a lot bigger than they expected so um, they were a little bit taken back I think because it was it was for Francesca the granddaughter who then she was only 15 going 16 and coming off a pony um, so they sent they they sort of they're from Cumbria and they were speaking to a few local people and they said oh and I was down in Cheshire at the time they said send her down to Robin because basically I was the same size as the granddaughter so it was they saw it was actually a really it's a really good point really you know don't send her to not that I'm against men breaking in horses but don't send her to like a man to get broken in if because then if you're going to try and um you know get Francesca on it it's going to be really different so they said, try and try and get sort of the same size person. So that's, it was just a real kind of just, yeah, it just happened a bit like a bit randomly. Um, so I broke the horse in and she's, she's a really big warm blood. So she probably stands about 17, one, 17, two, um, warm blood. And she was great to break in all like went to plan and um, and she was just a little bit too big and green for the granddaughter um, at the, you know, at the time. So Jan, who owned her still, just said, oh, I don't want to sell her. Would you carry on riding her? So 
So I said, yeah, yeah, we'll, you know, we'll head off eventing. So we went eventing and she won her first event in the, in the 19, it was, it was so sweet. And so, yeah, and then the rest is history in the sense of Jan's been such a loyal owner and, you know, I would never have reached the, and I've gone four star level with an ab, I would have never have reached that if Jan hadn't, you know, stuck by me and actually stayed. So she stayed in Cheshire with me the whole time I was down there and, and she swapped, <laughs> I was down at a few different yards, so she swapped a few yards and yeah, Jan was just very trustworthy in me to just, you know, let me keep going with the horse. So she's been great though. And she's, she's, she's not the most, she's not the fastest in the world, but she's just a real kind mare that just keeps giving what she needs. No, she's been, she's been really sweet. And she's one of those mares as well. She's not complicated at all. So she's really chill. She'll go to an event and it can have flags blown in the wind. It can be, oh, it can have all the atmosphere in the world and she's just as chill as anything. So that's really helped me with my confidence. I think going up the levels because I've taken a horse, you know, every time we've done an intermediate or three star, four star advanced, it's like, I know what she's going to be like. So that's been, she's been really nice in that respect of, she's just been a really nice sort of confident building horse, really. She's been, yeah, so she's she's definitely a horse of a lifetime and and she's still going strong and yeah, we're aiming for Bramham again. So that's amazing. Yeah. I was actually looking at your record because like actually you've had such a great journey together, you know, from starting at V90 and as you say, you won your first one. You actually came in the top two in your top your first four events together. So that's a yeah. pretty good starting point. Um, and actually you've had some like lots of success throughout all of the levels. Um, but you know, to take a horse from V90 right the way through to four star is an achievement that many, many riders will not be able to see or experience. And it is phenomenal that you've had that relationship and, and actually massive credit to the owner. Without that support and without that um without that help from them, yeah, like that's a that's an experience, isn't it? But um yeah. tell me what your favourite event, like what's what's jumps out at you with your experience with her that you've done? Oh, my favourite event. That's that's really <laughs> tricky. We have been to some really nice ones, actually. It's definitely always the international ones always feel really special. And I'm actually really glad that um, B have brought a one star in just to give people a chance to experience the international feel. Um, so like riding in your tails and having the big dressage boards out and the flags and riding in the big arena. I do think it's a really special any event that's in an international one is feels really special. Um, Cornbury was lovely. Went and did the three star down at Cornbury, um, and that was that was really really nice. I really enjoyed that. Um, and actually, Floors. That my first time at Floors was last year, Floors Castle, and that was stunning. Um, that was incredible. Was Floors like just? I felt like I was literally doing dressage in the garden of the house. Amazing, isn't it? It's like, it's yeah. so wonderful as a venue. We're so fortunate to have it in Scotland. And we actually, um, I actually did a really bad dressage as well. We're in the freestyle. And I think it was, I think it was more me that just performed really badly because I was just a bit like, oh my. I remember trotting around the arena because we warmed up in like a little bit of a field. Yeah. And then we went to the arena and I just, I think I spent the whole go around staring at the house. <laughs> it's an amazing house, isn't it? Flores Castle is just yeah. phenomenal. It's actually open to the public when it's not running as a um, as an event. And it is just a beautiful building. Um, 
and yes. we are really fortunate to have it. So yeah, I, Flaws is one of my favorite venues as well. But actually talking about the one star, I'm really keen to actually talk about that because um, last year I created a survey and sent it out to riders uh, to ask whether or not we could get a one star at Warwick and amazingly oh, well done you so is this, um, yeah is this all down to you well I don't think it's all down to me but I feel like I might take a little bit of the credit <laughs> so, um, but I'm really excited because I think Warwick Hall's a pretty special venue um, and I'm so excited that they're actually running a one star I can't actually wait so are you going to do the one star at Warwick Yes, I do. I've, I've got a little horse I'm riding this season. Um, so, yes, she's getting aimed for that. I've got two events before that. I'm going to go, do, go and do the 105 around Frenchfield. Um, so that should prep us quite well, I think. But yes, I, I'm really excited. I think it's, it is a really good for the North events and especially in Cumbria. Uh, I sort of vaguely remember having the international at Hutton in the Forest. Ooh. I didn't. I, don't, I didn't actually do it, but um, I remember doing them one of the national classes, I think, when it was on. Um, and I always remember, it's just, yeah, it just it just transforms the place into the atmosphere is great. And I, I do, I, I do think these one stars are really a nice, a nice thing for people to experience. Yeah, I'm hoping to bring my horse. I've got a, a horse that does two star, but I'm hoping to bring him to do the one star this year. We've taken a bit of pressure off. Just the bigger dressage arena. I mean, I yep. have to say, sitting trot. I don't know if you have to do sitting trot in the one star. I need to check the test, but uh, sitting point, trot yeah. down 60 meters is so long. Yeah, but I always think though, it's, it's really nice because you can almost take a breath and you can just enjoy it a bit more. So yeah, anyone doing, honestly, if it's their first international one star, just enjoy it. It's, it's really good, take it all in. And do check actually whether or not you need yeah, to check. be dropped in the in the dressage test because I'm not 100% sure if you have if it's compulsory in the one star to do sitting trot whereas it is in the two star and I think there was some confusion last year so I I would for anyone listening definitely check that um, check the rules um, but certainly yeah wear a tailcoat get in there enjoy every second of it as you say yeah. put extra put extra coat shine on sparkle get a bit of shine on the nose <laughs> quarter markers as well. See if there's a best turned out competition. Yeah. <laughs> going in for it. So I want to actually just step back a little bit and chat about um, your past, um, your past working, because I know that you started out actually riding in the racing industry. Um, and so you have ridden in races, competed. Um, so tell me a little bit about how you got into that and then um, what you did. Um, so we, I sort of fell into the racing a little bit through um, my older sister went and rode up in a yard up in Appleby um, and then at Evelyn Slacks and she just had a permit license which is just horses that the, they own you know they don't have horses so it's just it was a small little yard really lovely family run um, and we used to go up there every weekend sort of I think I would have been sort of 12 13 just going up and then we sort of progressed down to Diane Sayers, who's local uh, in Cumbria and just at Hackbop. So two minutes away from like my mum and dad's house. So again, started there and yeah, Di was really good at sort of pushing us to encouraging us to sort of go for it really and try for our licenses. So when, in order to run under rules, you have to go and pass a test. So either you go to Doncaster or Newmarket and you have to pass like a three day it's probably changed. I mean, I did it years ago. Um, 
it has probably changed a bit but you go down and they test your riding and fitness and you, you then pass um to be able to go and ride under rules and you start as an amateur so the amateur they only have a few rides it's not you can't just go straight in any in any race you have to just just be in amateur races um and Dai had some Dai has daughters that um all ran as well or well all raced um so i always remember and Dai was really supportive with all us girls you know getting us on the track getting us rides um and Carlisle ladies night um had an all female race card so it's all female jockeys and i remember Dai had us all girls there i think there was about five jockeys from the yard all of us girls and she must have she got every horse to get into a race at some point and i'm sure i was i was riding a three mile chaser in a six furlong horse uh, six furlong race or something but just to support the night support the sort of female kind of in the racing and and but no so that was oh it was it was it was great fun um and yeah just really nice yards i was at you know family run yards and close to home so there's, and there's loads of opportunities in the racing you know there's quite a few race yards around cumbria and so yeah and it's a really nice community when you go to the, you know i was always at the races as well you take your horses and yeah it was, it was fascinating learned loads rode so many different horses which is so good for your riding um all types of horses small i mean race horses come in all shapes and sizes don't they and and just learn loads about how to just sort of manage them and um i always say it has given me quite a good seat to then sit on some youngsters and things like that yeah so you learn a bit of stickability anyways i think that's um yeah really good really good information about anyone if anyone's listening who wants to actually have a go at riding race horses or actually just getting getting race riding experiences to maybe approach a local race yard and actually see if you can offer help if you you've got to have some ability to ride otherwise you won't be able to ride but that's not to say you can't go and do on the ground stuff and help out if you are interested in that having done a little bit of riding out you learn to control a strong horse and you learn to like balance well and you learn to not waste a lot of energy whilst in like your two-point seat Um, yeah that's a good point yeah that's the things that i've learned um going out riding although i have to say i one of the things (laughs) one of the mistakes i made was that when you ride a racehorse, um, if you take a pull and then release them, it's actually a signal to go faster. It's like the aid of the horses I rode anyway. It was the aid to sort of like increase the speed. So we were on the gallops and we were just, uh, you know, lobbing along. And then I just asked the horse to slow down a little. So I just took a pull and then released it and it just went like, <laughs> like, like fire. And I was like, sorry, as <laughs> I overtook everyone. Cause you just like, you just take a gentle, like per pull but you just sit and hold rather than actually pull and release yeah yeah you have them sort of just sat in your hand don't you and and they've got so many more gears than you think don't they yes i have never think you're going you think you're going fast and then all of a sudden there's two more gears there um yeah i enjoyed race riding um i didn't ever ride short enough i think um i was always told my strokes were too long (laughs) well whenever my sister still works in racing if i ever go back to you know help her out for a morning or whatever i i really struggle but i actually i really struggled i remember I'd never ridden in a dressage saddle until I went down to, so um, I went and worked for Andrew Heffernan in Summerford, at Summerford, um, and I'd never ridden in a dressage saddle. So I'd gone from race riding and predominantly riding in a race saddle 
to then riding in his amazing Amerigo dressage and Amerigo show jump saddles. And I didn't even know saddles could be that comfortable. <laughs> and I then realized actually when people do dressage, it's not because they've got these lovely long legs. The saddle, you can't do anything with your legs other than have them really long. <laughs> so the saddles in dress, if, I know they're quite expensive, but if, if somebody's thinking of getting a dressage saddle for the dress, you need to get one because your leg just gets put in that position and then you feel like a dressage rider. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all down to the saddle. <laughs> I am. Um, I have to say, I do love my dressage saddle. I I grew up show jumping ponies and then moved um, into eventing and didn't really use a dressage saddle for many years until eventually, like, I got convinced to sit in one and I was a bit like, oh my god, I need to put my stirrups down five holes. Yeah, <laughs> yes. weird. It didn't even feel like it was too long either. It was just five holes longer than it was normally. So yeah, definitely, um, it's a totally different position. <laughs> And you must have learned from racing um, that, like, how well to, or your ability to assess fitness in horses. Yeah, it was really interesting. To be honest, I was quite young. Well, I was sort of, you know, 17, 18. I should have taken a little bit more, uh, asked probably a bit more questions about the fitting sort of side of things. But definitely, uh, like, injury, the injury side of things, noticing bow tendons, noticing lumps, um, slightly filled legs and things like that. That was because um, obviously with racehorses, they're doing this really strenuous work. So that that was really good. I was I felt like I was quite clued up on that. But yeah, the fitting side of it, because I always find everyone has a different idea of how they want to get horses fit. And um, so I probably didn't ask enough questions. Um, it would just be get on this horse and do two up the gallops or do four laps around the field instead of me actually going well how are we doing that but saying that I did I did um GCSE PE at school and I found it really interesting and actually quite a lot of it is quite relevant to getting a horse fit so um you know and the whole sort of recovery and warm-ups and things like that like I, I always remember and I always sound really clever if nobody knows what it is, but like the lactic acid buildup, for some reason, I always remember, I always remember this at school. And I always just think of it like um, if I've worked a horse hard and I always think, how will he feel for the next day or two? You know, he's going to feel a bit sore. Like if I started, yeah, I suddenly did a workout. Um, so, and I remember I was telling an owner one day and saying it and I came out with lactic acid and they were just like, oh, wow. <laughs> I sounded really like I knew what I was saying. <laughs> well, you but, did. Um, yeah, uh, so no, I, I think um, I think with the fitness side of things, I just think it's the slow build-up, isn't it? It's the baseline fitness and all of that. And I just think you can't go wrong by going a little bit slower, as in building it up to, you know, the, the harder bits sort of thing. The lactic acid thing is a really interesting one because... Um, I always thought that I was really good at horses fitness and had a really good understanding of horse fitness and um, and actually it didn't occur to me despite the fact that I did have a good experience and understanding of it until somebody pointed out to me but I went to my first three-day event having absolutely no idea that on the third on the like cross-country day you were going to be held in the 10-minute box at the end of cross-country and therefore actually you need people to help you because by that point you've done an extra three minutes cross-country and actually um, you're generally, your, your adrenaline's up because you're at a three day event. 
Um, and uh, But at the start of it, in the morning, because you haven't done dressage and you haven't done show jumping, and you've come straight out and you get on them and you go to cross country, it, it didn't occur to me until somebody told me that when I go, I was gonna just warm up, right? So I was just gonna like get on and then just go cross country. And then somebody was like, you do realize that actually like, cause you haven't done show jumping and you haven't done cross the dressage. And you, so therefore you haven't had your horse's heart rate up. You haven't then kicked in its recovery mechanisms. So therefore, if you don't do that in the warm up of cross country, your, your horse won't then actually go well on the cross country because it'll start to have to kick that Fighting in. Up, yeah. And I was like, Oh my god it never occurred to me so then they were like oh you want to get on like 45 minutes before you cross country and then you want to do your walking trotting pottering about then you want to actually motor around the cross country get your heart rate up do like three minutes of cantering you know jumping a few fences get the heart rate up do some fast canter work and then give them like 10 minutes of just like chilling but now i've always found that like my horses have always recovered well after cross country um but it is such a really weird thing. And so anyone who's listening, I know the one star at Warwick isn't a three day event. It's a, <laughs> a short format, but if you are going to do a three day event, it's silly things like that, that actually you don't realize. Um, and so the lactic acid buildup, really good, really good thing to mention because- Yeah, you will. And the three day events as well, I think um, you're always a bit, you always will go a little bit um, in it, a little bit blind because you can't, you can't get all the information for it all. Um, but as well, just watching, usually when you're at a three day, there's going to be professionals there. You know, watch what they're doing. Sort of take note when they're getting on what horse um, before the cross country. And like you've just said about the 45 minutes before, you know, they, you might watch them get on a horse and you think, oh gosh, they're 10 before me or 10 after me rather. So that you think, why are they getting on so early? But yeah, like you say, they've, they've gone through the whole processes of this works best, this works best and process of elimination with lots of different horses they've found and what works. So yeah, when you're at these big shows, honestly, you'll learn so much and you're stable as well, right close to everyone. So as much as I know we're not being nosy, but you watch, you know, how, how many times they're icing or are they icing what, you know, and, and just things like that. I just think it's really, it's interesting. And what's really interesting as well is the morning, um, after like the last day when you do your last trot up after cross country and you think to yourself you need to give your horse keep your horse in the stable rest it for then when it comes out it's but actually sometimes a lot of people ride their horses an hour before trot up so that their blood's moving through their body they've got them going and and like that can sometimes catch people out if they've never done one so they're just unprepared for the trot up i know you know there was times where i I, I luckily I had made friends with people who were much more experienced and I was getting sort of mentored by people and I could just ask them or they would tell me, you know, no, feed at this time, get up, he trots at nine, go and take it for a ride at seven, you know, and trot it round and get it and everything like that. So it's, it's really interesting and you'll pick those things up by watching, but it's, it is quite annoying if you've spent all that money and you're there and you've just missed that small detail out. Yeah. And it's very yeah. stressful, the trot up. It is, isn't it? It's like it's like yes. an extra phase. So yeah, it is. You're like, I've got to get through all these phases, and it's not just three phases; it's five. <laughs> yeah. Trot up on day one, and then it's trot up on the like before shore jumping. And I've actually been sent to the holding box once, which was actually because I was a bit blasé because Classy had been such a great horse, and he'd he'd done so many three day events. He was like an old hat at it. 
and then he'd you know he'd flown through every single trot up i'd ever presented him at so then i got to the th like the sunday morning at blair and just didn't think anything of it and yeah. just wandered around and then minced up the trot up and they were like holding box for you and i was like oh, oh my god yeah panic sets it so yeah you do i think you need to take you need to yeah definitely don't you like you've just said don't re don't relax too much for that yeah like i've always i'd always carried a like dressage whip with him to make him trot um i never had to use it but you just carry it and he trots and uh and then this one day i just didn't carry sticks so i was like okay that's what he's doing i don't need to do that and he just was a bit like behind you know my not me my leg but like behind my body um and uh and that's like, the other thing is that's the other thing isn't it practicing trot up as well yeah practice yeah. so your horse trots up well because if a horse yeah like you say if you have to drag it you actually it looks worse yeah and also there's loads of like things like um you know you're not allowed to hang on to their head otherwise you'll be made to trot again and um, you just actually want to get the horse trotting in a straight line on a purpose and actually if you find that really hard and you're planning to do three-day venting that is something you need to practice because yeah you have to walk the horse out stand in front of the vets and then they'll look around your horse and then they'll nod and you have to then get your horse trotting and trot in a straight line to the to the barrel um and if you don't practice that then um it's yeah, yeah it's a bit yeah, you only, sometimes you only have a short run up to trot them so yeah you look pretty silly if you're still trying to trot it at the end of the run up yeah yeah for sure so yeah but most horses do get wound up and are crazy so yeah don't if your horse is already quite you know alert i wouldn't wind it up anymore <laughs> yeah and, and don't wear like really open-toed sandals or anything like oh, that no. No, don't. Yeah, make sure you could run in whatever you wear as well. Yeah, for sure. I was actually just going to like have a wee chat about because obviously we talked a bit about um, your one horse and then the horse that you're going to do the one star at Warwick. Um, but what else have you got planned for this season ahead? What horses have you got that you will be bringing out? Uh, so I always, I always seem to find myself with a couple of young horses, which I, I love the young horses. I really do. Um, they're so rewarding, and I. I quite often find myself in the burly young event classes. So um, so I've actually, I've, I've done a couple of them. I actually had, so when I was with Andy Heffernan down at Summerford, um, I used to ride quite a few of his young ones and he'd always get really nice ones. So I was really lucky in the fact that um, I'd go to these events and I'd always be on nice young horses. Um, and we took one to do a burly young event class because it was, it was a really smart one. So I thought, you know, we're gonna have a go. and. And this was back in 2016, he was a four-year-old. And we went to one qualifier, not having a clue what it was, me and Andy. And we qualified. So then we went to Burley, to the finals. And we, again, we had a clue. And we went, we got there and saw the ring that it, the final was in. And we thought, oh my gosh, ours, ours is not ready for this. So I, th I think he was more nervous watching me go around than I was. Um, anyways, we we actually we won. We were so surprised. So we, I won in 2016, um, and I've quite enjoyed the classes. I quite enjoy the the sort of the when you get. I think getting to Burley. I think Burley's a lovely event, um, but I like take. I mean, I'd love to ride in the five star one day, but at the moment I'm settling with managing to get to the young horse class and riding there. So I'll, I'll take that for now. But. Um, so yeah, we, we won it in 2016 and then I took a few horses the next couple of years and 
Then last year when I was working for Nicola, she had some really nice young horses and we sort of took them down the route to do the Burley Young Event classes. So, and I qualified two. Um, so I, so we took, yeah, so we took them both and both of them ended up in the top 10 in the five-year-old class. So, and one of the, one of them won and the other one was sort of fifth. So that was amazing. Um, so yeah, I really liked, I really liked the class. Um, so I've got two, I've got two young horses this year um, owned by the same owner as my advanced horse, Jan Ball. So Ooh. she, she bred, she bred these with a lady down the road at Ivy House, Emma Greenland. So they, they bred, so one's five and one's four. So I'll take them both and do the, you know, one in the four-year-old class, one in the five-year-old class at the qualifiers. So yeah, they're just they're just nice ticking along sort of, because Pumpkin, she's called Pumpkin, the advanced horses, uh, she won't run as much. Mm -hmm. So the young horses will sort of fill in the gaps. Uh, and then I've got a friend's five-year-old I'm also riding, and we'll just see what he's ready for more mid midsummer. So the Berlin event horse, the way it's structured is you do a dressage test, don't you? And then the show jumping cross country bit is like an arena event type setup. Yeah, yeah. And then you trot your horse up in hand to get judged for like confirmation and suitability and type. So, but different venues, venues are quite different. Um, depend on the jumping phase. So like one might be more show jumpy based um, and another one might be an actual arena event. Your horse needs to traveled plenty and gone to plenty of places really it's quite eye-opening it sounds really interesting though and actually a really nice just a really nice experience for the young horses to do and as you say without actually having to go and do a full-on cross-country course and get overwhelmed or brain tired by yeah. doing that and and in the four-year-old class is really nice because the especially like all the qualifiers they don't mind you trotting into fences like they don't you know they, they know they're going to be green and they don't, you know, they don't hold it against you and stuff like that. So yeah, it's just, it's just a good learning curve. I'm going to ask you a little bit about other four-legged friends that you have, because when we started off chatting, um, your best pal was sitting on your knee. So tell us a little bit about your support network, which is not just four-legged people, but tell us a little bit about the support network that you have, because I know that none of us could do this sport without the help that we yeah. have. Does, um, both with four-legged and two-legged. So tell everyone a little bit about that. Uh, so I've got two little terriers. They are just, yeah, your typical event dogs. <laughs> Always, as soon as the lorry pulls out or anything like that, they're straight there. So yeah, two little, they're 10, 10 and nine now. So they're quite well, well-traveled. Um, but while, while I was down in Cheshire, they lived with me in Cheshire and I, I did swap around on a few yards. I sort of rented out my own yard for a little while and then um, was on Summerford helping Andy, Andrew Heffernan. And then I was on another yard. Um, in Cheshire so I've never really got like a full sort of what I'd say like I've never had like a head girl or like a groom as such uh, I do quite rely on my family and friends so if you know if I've got two or three horses going to an event uh, it's always do you want a nice day out and, <laughs> uh, but I'll always nine times out of ten I'll, I'll drive the box uh, I've got my HGV license so um, we sort of share a lorry in the family so um it's sort of a little bit like can i borrow it this weekend or can i have it or quite a few owners if i ride horses they have their own boxes so that's quite handy um but yeah my mum's my mum's a really good support she comes she she travels up and down the country um oh, there was this one time though um, i've never forgotten it i went to gatcombe 
um, to do the international at Gatcombe and I thought I can't remember which year it was but it was sort of one of my first internationals so it's quite a big deal and my mum had always wanted to go down to Gatcombe so obviously I lived in Cheshire so I was was it like four four hours away maybe Gatcombe from Cheshire and my mum's obviously from Cumbria so it's like five and a half six hours for my mum so we went down the day you know the day before we were stabled up down there and mum was going to come on the jumping day so I did my dressage and we stayed the night and in the morning it had poured down like it was torrential rain and bottomless ground so you know we arrived and for what we watched a few people I was like later on in the class watched a few people so we decided no we're going to pull out so yeah we're going to pull out we got a coffee got a bacon sandwich it was about half 10 11 and we slowly loaded back up yeah we're not we're not going to jump in the mud so we set off we set off back up and i get a phone call about 20 minutes into the drive hi robin um where are you and i just oh my heart sank and she <laughs> i I didn't, I either forgot she was coming or we miscommunication, didn't know she was coming and she'd, she'd set off about four in the morning to get there and we had set off back home. <laughs> she, had, she had just got to Gatcombe. So, um, and, and bless her, my mum never, my mum never gets mad. I thought she was going to get mad that time. She didn't, she just said, don't worry, I'll, I'll have a coffee and set back and set back off home. So, um. I then I promised her. I said, "Stop at stop at Cheshire and I'll buy you lunch." So she stopped at Cheshire and um, we went out for some lunch. <laughs> but now, now it's a bit of an in joke. Now we always text each other. You know, I'm coming tomorrow. Yes, I'm coming. <laughs> so, but no, she's she's great and she'll she'll sort of help where she can. And she she's given up walking the courses with me because I'm usually running around because I've got not much time. So she'll she'll always ask me if I'm running or not the course um but no she's she's been to like the biggest ones and yeah she's always there if she can but she has been she has sort of been dragged away a little bit by my older sister she's got um two daughters so they're quite they're very big into the triathlon and pony club now so it's yeah my mum's quite torn sometimes but <clears throat> no my mum's my mum's been yeah to a lot of the big ones with me and she's um and actually my grandma, she still comes to, well, so she's, she's been to both Burleys when I've won there. So she's like the lucky charm now, yeah. So she needs to come back to town if I go there this year. And when so, you go and do five star. And yeah, yeah, if I go there to do five star, she needs to be there. So um, <laughs> so no, no, it's, it's, it's really nice. And my sisters, they all help where they can. Uh, I've got a younger sister and older sister, so. But, you know, we're always, you know, I I try and make sure if anyone's coming to help me, I'll try and make it a fun day for them. I hope I'm not too too much of a stressful person, but I'll always try and do as much of the work as I can. Um, you know, I'll do the studying and the tacking up and all that. But yeah, so I try and make it a nice day for when people come because um, it's like a day out for them, isn't it as well? And I think that a lot of people who are listening will have support network that are not paid employees. Um, yeah. So it's really nice that actually you're you're a professional rider and you still have to rely on family and support and you still have that same opinion that actually you know you couldn't you couldn't survive without them but also you really appreciate them even if you did forget to save them <laughs> you'd love to have them. Oh, I know that was really bad. <laughs> Definitely needs a hot chocolate every event <laughs> yeah. for that. Free um, coffee for life. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
Well, unfortunately, I think that brings us to the end of our episode because I feel like I could carry on chatting to you for hours um, and I'd chat to you about all sorts of things. Um, I grew up in Cumbria as well, so I know some of the area that you're from and stuff, so I could chat to you about most. Oh, nice. yeah. we'll, have to, uh, we'll have to meet again another time. Um, oh, I'm sure we will. Are you at Floors, did you say? I'm going to go to Floors and Warwick. And the Warwick, yeah. Yes. Very good. I was actually thinking I may collar you at One Star, at the One Star at Warwick, and actually have a little like on the field interview. If I can oh, definitely. get for that, yeah. so I might drag you into that. Um, yeah, well, I'll um, obviously it's not far from me at all, so I can I can pop along and you know and stay around for an extra few hours and things like that. Amazing! I will definitely be trying to collar lots yeah. of people to get a on the show field interview. Hopefully, so that'd be cool. So. Yeah, that would be. So sadly, that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, it is, it's been great chatting. Um, and as I say, I feel like I could chat to you for hours more. Um, I look forward to seeing you at Warwick. I definitely owe you a hot chocolate and your mum. <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I also lo would love to follow your journey. Um, and if you do um, go and do Burley again this year, do come back and chat to me later on and let me know how your season's gone. Um, and I will keep everything across that you make it to five star with your super horse. So thanks yeah. very much for joining. No, thank you very much and lovely to meet you. So that's the end of this episode. If you have enjoyed listening, fantastic. Please do subscribe to any future episodes so you don't miss any. If you want to head over to the Cumbria Events website, do have a look and see what horse trials and other events that they have planned. And if you'd like to provide any feedback on this podcast, I'm open to any good or bad feedback. Um, please get in touch with Douglas and let him know. Thank you for listening.